Welcome to the Taylor Method for Pain-Free Living, a podcast that features enlightening conversations with experts in the medical field that helps to improve the health and well-being of those suffering from chronic pain due to injury. Learn from leading authorities the questions you should be asking to experience pain-free living. Hosted by father and son, Dr. Derek Taylor and Dr. Hudson Taylor, and joined by industry professionals in the health field, including doctors of integrative medicine and personal injury attorneys. Okay, well, this is Dr. Derek Taylor here. I'm here with Dr. Brian Hill. Uh, welcome to the Taylor Method for Pain-Free Living podcast. Dr. Brian Hill is a doctor, uh, a medical doctor, orthopedic board-certified orthopedic surgeon, has been practicing for the past 10 years, and he's here in Palm Beach Gardens at the Palm Beach Orthopedic Institute. That's correct, and I appreciate you having me on. It's been a long time. Yeah, it's great to have it. you. I've been wanting to have you on the show here for a while. So how did how did you get into... Uh, being an orthopedic surgeon, I mean, what what's what motivated that when you were a young man? Yeah, so good question. So, I mean, with uh, like most typical orthopedic surgeons, um, I, I had my fair share of injuries as an athlete in high school, and had my fair share of injuries. And uh, one one instance that I remember in particular where I was uh, my dad was a wrestler. I wanted to be a basketball player, but somehow he talked me into going out for the wrestling team. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to wrestle a guy that was a, quite a bit bigger than me, and he broke my finger. And um, and so that that day we went into the office of a local orthopedic surgeon, uh, Dr. Andy Dustman, and uh, and he was able just to give a local injection and then reset the fracture and then put me in a splint. And I thought, holy cow, this is the coolest deal. It was under <laughs> fluoroscopy, and I thought, this is this is awesome. This is what what I want to do. That's great. In medical school, I tried to talk myself out of it. I tried to do cardiothoracic stuff and everything, but I always gravitated back towards orthopedics. The, the just the nature that people get better. The you know, like most surgeons, we like instant gratification, and so uh, you definitely get that in orthopedics. Yeah, great. Now you played a number of different sports. You wrestled, and then you played football, correct? Yep. And uh, uh, you were telling me we had a conversation earlier this week how. Uh, you uh, you went out for the college football team there, and can you, who who's that quarterback you were that was that was starting there above it, you? What's his name? Yeah, so Ben Roethlisberger. So I I thought <laughs> I was a pretty good quarterback. Uh, my team was here in high school. Our team was ranked number one in state, and uh, and you know I I had decent statistics, but it was mostly because I had a ton of uh, talent around me. <laughs> and then so I went to Miami of Ohio and realized uh with Big Ben being a redshirt freshman at the time what what real talent was and that ended my days pretty early like I told you you picked the wrong school to play college football <laughs> you yeah. probably would have been a star anywhere else but when you're behind Ben Roethlisberger uh, well hey uh I wanted to talk about shoulder issues here and that's what our listeners are here for I mean so what are the most common shoulder conditions that you see in your practice? Certainly. So most of the time, most people come in with either bursitis or tendonitis, okay? Just an inflammation of the rotator cuff tendon. Um, And that's that's definitely the most common. And and people either say they wake up with it or they've been playing a lot of tennis or some sport and just kind of started feeling some soreness on the lateral aspect of the shoulder. 
because of my practice, I also see quite a bit of arthritis as well. And so that's where the, uh, certainly the bones, the, the cartilage between the bones wears down. Um, and then less infrequently, we actually see rotator cuff tendon tears or long head of the bicep tendon tears. Right. So you mentioned uh, tendonitis and bursitis. So somebody's dealing with shoulder pain here. What are some of the common signs and symptoms they're going to see uh, in a bursitis tendonitis condition? And how can you tell the difference between the two? What are, what are some of the things that you can tell our listeners that would maybe give them some clues that they either have a bursitis condition or a tendonitis? Yeah. So differentiating, differentiating between the two is difficult and it's even tough for me, but both are, are sort of treated the same and, um, and have the same remedies and, and prognosis. And so most of the time, what patients complain of is either lateral sided shoulder pain or almost arm pain. A lot of times they say it's more down here in the, in the uh, humerus or the arm bone. And they complain about it, reaching out, reaching overhead, um, trying to put on a jacket, reaching back in their seatbelt. And then also it, it bothers them at sleep. They say, look, during the day, it's not too bad, but at night, it just really keeps on waking me up. And, and so that's a telltale sign as well. Hmm. Now, why is it at nighttime that the uh, patient says to you, Dr. Hill, why is it at nighttime this thing really bothers me? During the day, it, I don't really notice it too much. Yeah. What do you so tell we, them? Well, so we have theories. We don't have any proof thus far. And so um, what, we, what we think is a couple of different factors. One, you're doing things during the day where you don't seem to notice and at night you're, you seem to uh, develop more of a kind of um, a focus on that pain. Two, also when you lay down and you start relaxing, your shoulder is, is almost like a golf ball on a golf tee, but most of the constraints are soft tissue constraints, the rotator cuff or, or other muscles. And, and so when you start relaxing like that, it starts having to kick in those, those muscles that are irritated or tendons to keep that ball in place. And so that's another reason we think possibly that when you're laying down at night, it seems to bother you a little bit more. Got it. So they have, uh, you, you had mentioned, that's interesting. So if they have a, a tendonitis or bursitis, usually the, the structure is over here, but you're saying that the pain will sometimes be here in the lateral arm. So do you see a lot of that in your practice where you have a referral of pain from different areas? And you want to talk about that for a little bit? Yeah. And so it's interesting because uh, most people, when you, when you say, hey, I think this is your rotator cuff, they say, well, you know, I looked at pictures and my rotator cuff is actually up here in my, in my shoulder. But really where my pain is, it's kind of almost my mid arm or upper arm. And, um, and so I would say the majority of patients kind of have the referred pain down there. And it's almost, if you can feel that bone on the lateral aspect of the arm, it's almost one hand breadth below that where they get quite a bit of that pain. Um, and, and so that, that's common. And that's even common with tears and other things as well. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the common tests that they can do by themselves, like bringing their, their arms up or here or lifting them up here as far as, as a, uh, a way to determine whether or not one of those structures are being impinged or irritated what are some of the common things that yeah and so you hit it so most most of the time the first things i do and patients can do the same thing is just raise both arms up overhead and see if they have any limitations mm -hmm. um also i then i test them is reach out and across the body 
And what they can do is they can put some light resistance on that as well and see does that bother them uh, when they kind of try to raise their arm, but with some light resistance. If that does not seem to bother them too much, the one other thing is when they raise up, try rotating that arm and seeing if by changing the rotation of the humerus um, that seems to uh, you know, check for the impingement or tendonitis as well up there. And so uh, people that have some slightly posterior tendon, some, sometimes just the rotation will, will cause them to have pain. And, and so that's, patients can easily do that as well and, and kind of see if that's what they're suffering from. And what are the typical age ranges that you see with people that are coming into your office with these types of conditions? Um, so most of the time, it's it's about probably 40 to, uh, since we live in Palm Beach, 90-year-olds. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's lots of times it tends to be more active people, but uh, other, other times it's just somebody that they woke up one day and they started noticing this discomfort and pain and it didn't go away. Mm, okay. And what are some of the common things that you see people doing, activities that are, that are causing that condition in the first place? Yeah, so uh, any overhead sport can cause it. So a lot of tennis players develop shoulder issues. Swimmers um, also develop shoulder issues. Um, and then any throwers or anything like that as well. Um, people that like to play softball, even recreationally or, fo or football for fun. Uh, seem to have issues as well. And this is probably a big reason why a lot of people are switching over from tennis to pickleball because there's a lot less overhead, right? Did you say? Yeah, 100%. So, I mean, one big factor for the explosion of pickleball is people with shoulder problems who had difficulty playing tennis and couldn't play tennis anymore were able to manage pickleball. And so uh, that's certainly a factor in why it's become such a popular sport. Well, it's a big difference when you have that big, huge tennis racket versus that smaller, compact pickleball racket. It's a yeah. lot forgiving on the joint, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And so um, what are, uh, are the most common surgical procedures that uh, you do in your practice? Yeah. So um, for just bursitis and tendonitis, most of the time, we, they don't require surgery. And so that can be treated with uh, physical therapy. And, and the goal of physical therapy is really to strengthen all of the muscles around the shoulder joint and, and to decrease that inflammation, get back to the normal mechanics. Um, also, some, a short uh, duration of uh, anti-inflammatory medications like Aleve, ibuprofen, or some other prescription medications. And then every once in a while, we also do cortisone injections, a high dose of an anti-inflammatory agent right there to the, the spot of inflammation. Which, which helps to alleviate that discomfort and pain too. Surgically, most of the time, um, I'm seeing patients with rotator cuff tears, uh, arthritis where they need actual shoulder replacement surgery, or fractures, trauma injuries. Um, somebody was out skiing in Colorado and, and broke their shoulder, or they were out biking in Jonathan Dickinson and, and sustained a clavicle fracture. I see that quite a bit too. Now, um, so you mostly see the, when it comes to the shoulder, most of the fractures are occurring, I, I take it in the clavicle, just because it's going to be more, it's going to be easier to fracture than the scapula. Yeah, it, either, either clavicle or proximal humerus is pretty common here as well. So a lot of, um, you know, the, uh, proximal humerus fractures are a osteoporotic fracture or fragility fracture. Mm. So a lot of our older patients down here, 
um, slip and fall, they fall on their shoulder, they break their proximal humerus or the upper arm bone. Do you just set that bone or put a pin in it sometimes, or do you do a, a re shoulder replacement if they're osteoporotic? I mean, how do you, how do yeah. you handle that? So good news is um, about 85% of those do well without surgery alone. And so most of the time what we do is we put them in a sling. There's not a cast or anything that you can, you can cast that and, and you let the bone heal, but you start again, early range of motion because it's important not only to let it heal, but then you want to keep the shoulder motion as well. Because if you just keep it at your side and let it heal, it, it may heal, but then you'll never get your motion back. And so it's kind of a delicate balance. Um, rarely, if they're younger, we, we have to fix it. And so, uh, you know, for example, next week, I have a 55-year-old that's coming in with the proximal humerus structure that's going to require surgery. And then other times, um, if they're older or the fracture is bad enough where we're concerned about the blood supply to the head, then we replace it. Hmm. Got it. So a lot of the uh, shoulder fractures, I mean, you're just going to put them in a, you can't really put a cast on that. So they're just immobilized. Right. Um, right. And so um, interesting, what I, I wanted to ask you, what made it, what made you gravitate toward the shoulder? You know, some sur surgeons, you know, gravitate toward the knee or the hip or the spine. What was it about? Was it because you played quarterback? Is that why you did shoulder? No. Um, so in orthopedic residency, we do everything, right? We, we rotate through every single subspecialty. So pediatric, spine, trauma, sports, foot and ankle. And the neat thing about uh, shoulder surgery is you do the whole spectrum of surgery but on the shoulder. So we do sports injuries, arthroscopic procedures, minimally invasive surgeries. We do fractures, like I said, trauma, but on the shoulder. And then we also do replacements. So my typical practice is anywhere from about 11 to 13 year olds all the way to 95, 100 year olds. Mm. And, and it's tough to see that in any other subspecialty. You don't get that mm. breadth of uh, variation, but then also focusing on just one or two joints, which is, which is awesome. I mean, it's, it's been a great subspecialty. The, the other factor selfishly is um, I liked not having to be in the hospital all the time. So I liked surgery centers or clinic. And so because shoulder patients, their legs still work after surgery, they can get up and go home. It's easy for them to walk. So they're not in the hospital multiple days after a shoulder placement. In fact, now most go home the same day. Wow. Okay. That's great. Have there been a lot of new advances that you've seen with the new surgical procedures uh, in the shoulder world here in the past few years? Yeah. Um, in the past few years, not as much, but there's still a lot of innovation going on with shoulder. So um, just 20 years ago in the United States, the reverse shoulder replacement was introduced which is um, where instead of replacing a ball with a ball, we replace uh, the socket on the ball side and then put a ball on the socket side. And, and so that has really exploded. And, and we found out as we get more information, more research on that, how well patients do with that. Um, other factors that we've gotten better at are, um, you know, our surgical techniques, um, and also pain management. But to say all that, we still, we still need to have some advancements. I mean, rotator cuff tendon tears, we uh, are probably about the same rate of re-tears 
just as they were 10, 15 years ago. We haven't really improved that. And so we're now really trying different biologics and that sort of uh, type of treatment modalities to get those tendons to heal better after we repair them. But there's certainly a lot of innovation that needs to happen. What is the recovery period for surgery like that? I know depending on uh, what kind of surgery you're doing, whether it's a total replacement, total shoulder replacement, or just something arthroscopic, what's the range of recovery time for somebody that has one of these procedures? Yeah, so the quickest fractures heal about three months. And most of the time, like clavicle fractures, um, if, if they require surgery, uh, you can plate those and then they can get back on a bike pretty quickly within uh, a couple of weeks even. Um, rotator cuff tendon tears are tough. I mean, it takes quite a long time to get back to pre-injury level. And so we found between about six and 12 months is where that improvement hits pre-injury level or um, 100%. Same thing with shoulder replacement surgery. It's about in anywhere between six and 12 months. So it takes a while until you, patients really feel 100% again. Mm -hmm. And they're getting PT throughout that whole time that you... Yeah, um, at first, I'm pretty conservative. So at first, I have them do home exercises. And then, um, and then I do send them to guided therapy. And then I, I try to talk to them in most with most patients, after they've been in therapy long enough, they know the exercises. So I just have them check in with their therapist uh, to make sure they're doing everything correctly. Um, are there any potential risk or complications of surgeries that, that patients should know about? Yeah, 100%. I mean, it, every, and every surgery has complications, right? And so anytime you make an incision, there's always a risk of infection. And so we, we try to uh, prevent that with antibiotics. Um, and then it really depends on the type of surgery. So arthroscopic rotator cuff repair, the risks are minimal besides infection. The biggest risk is probably re-tear and not healing that tendon but it's just with small little incisions. And because of that, we've minimized our risk. With bigger surgeries, fractures or replacement, there, there's much more risk. There's risks to nerves. Um, there's risks to uh, vessels as well or bleeding. And then also you can always break something when you're trying to put a, a metal into a bone. And so, um, you know, we always have a long discussion about the, the positive, the pros and cons of both surgery and out without surgery. Can you share any success stories or patient testimonials um, where somebody had a real positive outcome from the, you know, uh, working with you and you're having a shoulder surgery? Certainly. So um, the one that stands out is a uh, young lady, I believe she was around 68, 70 and had fallen and had a proximal humerus fracture. And uh, it had healed, but it left her pretty debilitated without much motion. And, and so she came, uh, she was referred to me from another surgeon and uh, came to see me and, and told me, look, I, I really don't have much function at all in my shoulder. Is there anything you can do for me? And um, she's done phenomenal. She's about a year and a half out now and has full function of her shoulder. She's back to playing golf and uh, really, and she, she was tough, but told me she had no pain, did not take any pain medications after surgery as well. And that's a, that's a big thing that I try to do is, is limit the amount of narcotics that we give or give opioid sparing treatment. Um, and, and with most people, they, they don't need the strong stuff. And so that's, that's a big deal too. But, um, 
No, and she's done great. And uh, don't you find that the, the healthier the patient is and the, the better the attitude they have going into the surgery, they're going to have a better outcome than somebody who's, you know, they don't take care of themselves or not in well, they're not well conditioned. Yeah, 100%. I mean, people that are healthy and, and uh, have a strong mental uh, um, uh, health as well, um, have a good mindset definitely do better. And so taking care of yourself prior to having an injury or surgery is, is definitely a benefit. And, and we've seen that in multiple studies as well. Yeah. Uh, and lastly, what are some of the preventative measures that you can give? Um, I mean, you've been dealing with the patients for over 10 years. What are some common things that you see patients doing that are sabotaging their shoulders? And what advice or tips can you uh, give our audience as we close our interview time together that can maybe help them avoid um, seeing you all together and in, or in the future and minimize reducing that risk in the future. Right. So, so I, I'd love for everybody not to have shoulder issues. Um, and so the, the biggest deals that they can do is, is stretching is huge. And, and as we age, we get more constricted. And so having a stretching routine, doing yoga or something like that, especially as we, we get older, is, is, is great for the body. The second thing is, is doing some uh, either light exercises that help strengthen the rotator cuff and the muscles around it, the shoulder blade muscles. And so, especially in this day and age where we either sit on, on a computer a lot or we have our phones in front of us, all of us have become almost protracted. All of our shoulders come forward. And so if we can work on the muscles that keep our shoulders back, as well as our shoulders in good alignment, most of the time, uh, they don't start uh, acting up. And, and so people can prevent a lot of these uh, injuries. The, the other thing is I see a lot of athletes that like to work out, but they, they do kind of the wrong exercises or they do exercises that aggravate their shoulders. And, and so um, people with shoulder issues, I try to tell them to avoid bench press with a straight bar. Uh, also push-ups are pretty hard on the shoulders. Dips, are also hard on the shoulders. And then anything overhead, pressing overhead uh, can also aggravate that. And so if people have shoulder pain or issues, but they wanna work out, I try to tell them, look, avoid these activities. You can still work out your chest, but try to avoid um, some of these exercises that seem to make it worse. Yeah, I mean, you got, you got a young man who's you know in high school, then maybe they play a sport like football or baseball or they wrestle and whatnot, and they're lifting weights carries on in their 20s into their young adulthood and uh, now they're 40 or 50 and they, they're still trying to get a maximum bench press I had a patient that, that did that I mean the guy was like in his late 40s and he's trying to max on his bench and he just totally blew out his shoulder completely you can't you got to get smarter don't you as we age I mean the tissue right. become less elastic and they, they they're still thinking that they can lift weights like they did back when they were 20 and I think that's where they get in trouble. Right. And that's, that's all too common. I mean, we all, uh, most of us work out like we did when we were in high school and, and, you know, we go back to doing the same <laughs> exercises and really don't modify it yet uh, right. much. Although our body is, is much different. It's much less, like you said, elastic, but, and we're doing exercises that make it even less elastic. It tightens up more. And right. so really trying to find some things that stretch out those ligaments, stretch out those muscles versus contracting them more is, is important to staying healthy. Yeah, no, very good.
Any uh, last closing thoughts you want to end in as we uh, conclude our time together here, Doc? No, I appreciate uh, being on and, uh, you know, really appreciate this opportunity. And uh, I think if, if we could all incorporate some of these practices um, to prevent shoulder and elbow issues, it, it's better for everybody because then um, I, I, I have less people that are getting injured for, um, you know, poor reasons or even waking up with pain, but more people are being active and that, that's what I'm all about. Yeah, well, I, I really appreciate the, the work that you do and the fact that you're here in Palm Beach Gardens. I had a few patients that have consulted with you. They've really had a real positive experience with you and uh, they've really enjoyed working with you. How can uh, our listeners get a hold of you? What's the best number to reach at or a website that they can look at if they want to find out more about your practice and what you do? Yeah, so our practice uh, website is www. P-B-O-I, Palm Beach Orthopedic Institute.com. And then also I have a personal website uh, that is www.brianhillmd.com. And both of those websites have links that you can actually schedule an appointment right there online. And so um, they also have numbers that you can call, but the links are uh, uh, much easier to find a date and time that you can schedule your own appointment. Great. Well, you've been with uh, Dr. Brian Hill, medical doctor, orthopedic surgeon, uh, deals with specifically with the shoulder. It's been a fascinating show. Thank you for your time and expertise. And uh, I'm sure our listeners are going to glean a lot of great information from this. Thanks so much for being on the show, Doc. I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Taylor Method for Pain-Free Living podcast. For more information about the Taylor Method and how you can find lasting pain relief, visit www.drderektaylor.com. That's www.drderektaylor.com.